Um, if you're watching or listening online, this is pre-recorded, but my name is Stephen. I'm the lead pastor at Madison Church, and I want to talk about life expectancy a little bit tonight. Is that you guys curious about life expectancy, how you can live longer versus not? Um, National Geographic conducted research and found out that a group of people living in Okinawa, uh, Japan, and Sardina, Italy, I think I said those right, that they live longer than everyone else in the world. If you live in these two places, scientifically, the research is in there. You're going to just live longer. Now, I Googled images of both of these uh, cities and like the one Sardina, who wouldn't want to live there? If you Google a picture of this place, I don't have one. I should have. But it's a, it's a beautiful little city on the coast in Italy, sunny days, perfect weather all the time. Like, no wonder they're outliving us. I mean, we've got winter six months out of the year. Of course, they're going to outlive us. But okay, so we're in Madison. We, you know, it's not like you're going to pick up and move to Italy tomorrow. It's not, and for a lot of you, that might not be an option. You may not want to. But so how can we make the most of our lives? I mean, how can we extend our lives a little bit? Some people would have the idea, well, diet, right? Diet. That would be like if you eat McDonald's, double cheeseburgers, three meals a day, or Taco Bell, you rotate because, you know, you're, you like tacos and cheeseburgers. If you do that diet for the rest of your life, you know, you're, you're probably, you, life expectancy isn't going to be as long as it potentially could be. Uh, there actually are some studies that show that vegetarian or vegan diets that you might actually live longer. Okay, so diet's certainly a consideration. How about going to the gym? Does anyone like going to the gym? No one likes going to the gym. If you're online, uh, let us know if you like going to the gym. But that's another one that they've done research and studies for, and they show that if you go to the gym, yeah, your life expectancy is going to increase. And so uh, what you eat, your diet, what you do, working out, all of that, that will increase your life expectancy. But there is actually one more thing that you could do that will significantly increase your life expectancy. One more thing that you could do, and it's proven, and it actually uh, is more proven than your diet and if you're athletic uh, or going to the gym. I mean, this surprised me. Um, But there's actually a religious sect who live, on average, 10 years longer than the average American. They live 10 years. If you're part of this religious sect, you'll live longer. And they're Seventh-day Adventists. And you might ask, why are the Seventh-day Adventists living longer? Well, if we look at their lives and everything that they do, there's really one thing that they do very, very religiously, and they're staunch about it, that the rest of us don't do. And they're very staunch believers of having that one day off and observing the Sabbath a week. And so by taking one day off a week, completely off, 24-hour period, we're just not available, they're living 10 years longer than you and me who are just going 24-7. Wow. Taking the Sabbath seriously, taking one day off a week can add 10 years to your lives. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about the Sabbath and what does God actually say? What do we read in the Bible about the Sabbath? And that takes us into this final week of our series, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, based on John Mark Comer's book with the same name. And as I've done every week of this series, I recommend that you pick the book up. I'm really good. There was only so much content that we could get into in four weeks, four 30-minute sessions uh, here, but there's so much good stuff in there, you should get it. And what Comer points out, and and psychologists have done this, scientists have done this, what we have found out is that like most of us in the U.S., we live these frantic, fast-paced lives. We're like addicted to being busy. 
And the minute we get an hour open up, what are we looking to do? We're looking to fill it. I mean, like we just don't know what to do with dead space in our calendars. And what that has done is we have come to talk and find out is that living such a fast-paced life, it really cuts off our connection with God. We're too busy to have a relationship with God. We might know of God. We might know facts about God. We don't really invest in a relationship with God. It certainly cuts off our relationships with other people. I mean, if you're too busy to hang out with friends, you're too busy to return text messages or phone calls. I mean, if you're too busy to initiate relationship or friendship, it's cutting your relationship with all the other people. But as we talked a lot in week one, it also cuts us off from ourselves. We don't even know what's going on. Why am I so anxious? Why am I depressed? Why am I tired all the time? Why, why, why? Well, we're so busy, we don't have time to slow down and just ask ourselves, oh, well, perhaps the way that I'm living is why I'm feeling the way that I do. Life, as we know it in 2022, is full of worries, but it's also full of activities. It's full of long to-do lists. And it's because of the pressure that society has put us on. And this expectation, this pressure that we feel all around us from our neighbors or from our communities, from the world, uh, it has left us feeling burned out, burned out. And it's kind of, I think, a little ironic, maybe. It's definitely not what I would think that after two years of things like stay-at-home orders and essential versus non-essential workers and, and quarantining and isolation and all of these things... I would have thought if you told me that there's going to be a two-year period and there's a pandemic and most people are going to be staying home as much as they can, I would have said that, oh, by the end of that, like most people will feel really rested and restored. I mean, they're staying at home, they're sleeping all the time. Like, of course they're going to feel better. And you would all say, no, that's not true. At the end, like my life is crazier post-pandemic, post-isolation, post-quarantine, post-everything than it ever was. And you may be sitting here tonight, you might be listening online later, and honestly say that you just, you're, I don't feel like I have strength to go on anymore. I just don't feel like I have strength. And, and I'm not saying that you're, you're suicidal or having suicidal thoughts, that, that might be a part of it. But I'm saying you just might be just exhausted and you're just a person who's going from thing to thing so you don't get in trouble, so you can continue paying your bills. And that's not the life that Jesus wants for any of us. Jesus, and he offers us an alternative. The verse that we've been reading over and over again is Matthew. In Matthew, it's come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. And we've talked about this over and over again. We're like, oh man, that's a great promise. I wish, I wish that that was my life. And does that mean that you don't believe in Jesus? Well, no, a lot of you do. A lot of you are trying to follow Jesus to the best of your capacity. I, I, I say that we imperfectly follow Jesus. We're, we're trying, but we're imperfect at it. But why don't more of us feel this rest for the soul? Why don't more of us find this easy yoke, this light burden? And we've talked about it. We circle back. We say, well, it's because we, Jesus offers us this life, but we don't want to adopt the lifestyle that Jesus tells us to. Jesus says, this is what I'm offering you, and this is how you can get it. But his advice is so counterintuitive. It's so countercultural. We can call it upside down in a lot of ways, but in a good way, mostly. We talked about solitude. And we said, Jesus says, if you want light, easy, restful soul, have solitude, have regular times of quiet with God, especially before the big things, the big test, the big promotion, the big interview, whatever it is, have time of solitude. And, and what the U.S., what your neighbors would say is 
that's crazy. You don't have time to go away on a Friday night to do nothing. Like you can't just lock yourself in a bedroom to hear from God, to talk to God, to reflect. Like you need to spend that extra time studying. Somebody else is. Somebody else is studying for that same test. Somebody else is applying for that same position. So you need to get in there and study. Well, maybe that's why we're stressed is because we take that advice. So of course we're stressed. The rest of the world is stressed. Normal is stressful. Let's stop being normal. And maybe let's try this. The next time you have a promotion, an interview, a test to study for, whatever it might be, a big event, a big kind of threshold that you need to cross, try it. Go out for a night and connect with God. That's what Jesus did. And we talked last week, we said about simplifying our lives. Like it wasn't a matter of getting more and more and more and more. Like more money wasn't going to make you happier at a certain point. We talked about the research that was done and we said more money at a certain point just isn't going to help you. But yet we continue to believe the lie that if I just had a bigger house or a newer car, if I just had this, if I just had that, I would finally be happy. If I just got paid one more dollar an hour, if I just got that cost of living raise, I would finally be happy. We said that that's just not true. That's just not true. Because what God did to us was we can't pay that back. What God gave us, this offer of eternity, this offer of a good life now, we can't ever pay that back. And if that doesn't inspire us to be generous, if that doesn't inspire us to stop trying to get more and more stuff, then an extra two bucks an hour, an extra 80 bucks a week, that's not going to change your heart either. And so today we want to conclude by talking about Sabbath. And I know that that's not a word that you probably commonly use. I mean, I imagine that if you grew up in or around the church, you've probably heard it. You've read it in the Bible. If you did the one-year Bible, it showed up a lot in in Exodus and Leviticus. And you're like, yeah, I kind of remember it. But what are we talking about when we talk about Sabbath? It, It comes from the Hebrew word Shabbat, and it literally means to stop. Just to stop. Sabbath is to stop. And it's a day for stopping. We stop working. We stop worrying. We stop wanting. We just stop. The idea of stopping has been God's plan from the very first page of the Bible. We read in Genesis chapter 2, the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. And on the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation. So he rested from all his work. He rested and God blessed the seventh day and he declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his work and creation. God did a lot of good things, right? I mean, a lot of good things. And he declared it good. Day one, I made this. Day two, and whether or not you believe this is like poetic um, or literal creation in six days, no matter where you believe on that, the point is, is that we see this image of God coming back to it over and over again. It's good. It's good. It's good. Everything God makes is good. But he gets to the seventh day where he doesn't create anything. It's not you and me. It's not waterfalls. It's not outer space. It's not the beauty of creation that we see all around us. He gets to the seventh day. God does nothing. And then he says, not only is this good, but he blesses it. He blesses this day, not any of the other days. He blesses this day and he declares it holy. He says, this day is set apart. Well, why is that? Was God just so like tuckered out at the end of six days, just exhausted from all of the creation and working? Well, no. God's all powerful. God doesn't get tired. He doesn't have to go to sleep and take a nap like you and me do. But he gives us an example to follow. He gives us a way of life. He gives us a rhythm. He shows us this rhythm of life. 
He says that there are times to work. There absolutely are. There are times to show up. There are times to go above and beyond. Absolutely. But there's also a time to rest. And he demonstrates that for us. He doesn't say, um, I don't ever have to rest because I'm all powerful, but you do because you're not. The all-powerful God of the universe reminds us that even if you did have all the power in the world, it's still good to rest. It's still good to rest. Now, you might have heard the cliche. I don't know if any of you have heard this. uh, The devil never takes a day off, right? Have you heard that before? The devil never takes a day off. Um, But I don't know if you know this, he loses. So spoiler alert, you can go to the last couple pages of the Bible and check me out on this. Uh, He loses. So personally, I'm going to take my cues from the one who wins, and he takes days off. And so it's kind of a win-win in that sense, too. Um, I don't have to worry about that. And so I wonder, don't raise your hand. But I wonder how many of you in the room have just have gone week after week and day after day. You can't remember the last time you had a day off. Can't remember the last time you had a rest or an extended rest. I mean, think about it. When was the last time you had that? When was the last time you stopped? When was the last time you used Sabbath? Sabbath is rest. And Sabbath is so important, it actually shows up in the Ten Commandments. God says, here are the ten most important things I want you to know. He tells this to the people who had just uh, escaped slavery in, uh, in Egypt. And he says, here are the ten most important things. And one of them is rest, is stopping, is Sabbath. He tells them, observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Work six days and do everything you need to do. But on the seventh day, uh, the seventh day is a Sabbath to your God. Don't do any work. Not you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your servant, nor your maid, nor your animals, not even the foreign guests visiting in your town. For six days, God made heaven, earth, and sea, and everything in them. He rested on the seventh day. Therefore, God blessed the Sabbath day, and he set it apart as a holy day. And while we're not trying to get into like a competition of like which commandments are more important, I think they're all important. I think they're all equal uh, in God's eyes. But it does kind of, I think we should read into a little bit that God really unpacks the Sabbath. If you go to this passage um, in Exodus and and we're reading about the Ten Commandments, you're going to see things like honor your mother and father and don't murder. But then when God says, take a, sta- a Sabbath, he's like, let me elaborate a little bit. I don't know if any of you guys have kids. There are some things when you have kids, you can just, there's some things you're like, yeah, don't do that. That's annoying. You know, like, and that's just it. That's what you say. But then there are things where it's like, I'm going to just, I'm going to cover this from every angle I can think of because I don't want you to mess this up. And so it'd be like, when I'm looking at Elijah, I'm like, you can't do this. You can't have your Nintendo right now. And you can't have your Amazon tablet. And we can't have the Nintendo on the TV. And he's like thinking about which screen he still has left. And I'm like, nope, see, I covered it all. And that's almost like what God is doing here. It's like he's coming to us and we're like these spiritual children. And he's like, look, I know you're going to look for a way out of this. I know I'm going to tell you to stop and to take a day off. And you're going to come back and tell me just how busy you are and how much there is to do. And so God's like, let me just beat you to the punch. I'm going to cover every single angle. He had a feeling that not many of us were going to fight him on don't murder. He had a feeling. He's like, I don't really need to unpack that. Don't kill each other, period. On to the next one. But with Sabbath, he's like, no, I bet you're going to fight me on this one. And because he unpacks it, I think it, it shows the emphasis of like, this is just as important. Taking a break is just as important to God as not killing someone. But I don't know if we believe that. And we need to. And by resting on the seventh day, when we go back to this in history, I mean, Israel wasn't just following God's command, but they're actually following God's lead. God rested. 
It wasn't just a command. It was following God's lead. They were doing what God himself did first. But Sabbath isn't just about rest. Sabbath is about resistance. And some of you who are like activists and really outspoken about issues, you guys should love Sabbath. It's also an act of resistance. Uh, In Deuteronomy chapter five, we read, no working on the Sabbath. Keep it holy just as God, your God, commanded you. Work six days doing everything you have to do. But the seventh day is a Sabbath, a rest day. No work, not you, your son, your daughter, your servant, your maid, your ox, your donkey, or any of your other animals, and not even the foreigner visiting your town. That way your servants and maids will get the same rest as you. Don't ever forget that you were slaves in Egypt and God, your God, got you out of there in a powerful show of strength. That's why God, your God, commands you to observe the day of Sabbath. Now, there are a lot of commonalities between the commandment that we just read in Exodus on why we keep Sabbath and what we just read in Deuteronomy. The key difference is, is in Exodus, we're talking about the commandment. He says, well, God took a rest, so you take a rest. And now in Deuteronomy, it's the same thing. God took a rest, you take a rest, but he kind of builds on it. And he says, this is kind of like resistance because remember, you used to be slaves. Remember that having a rest, having a day off, that wasn't always within your options. You couldn't choose that. You were a slave. You had to work when they told you to work, which was all the time. And so while the Sabbath is still important, they're still going on about this commandment of Sabbath, they're coming in again from different angles. Generation after generation of Israelites had been enslaved in Egypt before God set them free. But as we know from the Israelites wandering around in the wilderness and then regretting being freed from Egypt, it's possible to get comfortable in your captivity. It's possible. You can get comfortable in your captivity. I think a lot of us, have gotten comfortable in our captivity. We're enslaved to our culture. We're enslaved to our calendars. We're enslaved to our checkbooks, our schedules, our to-do list. We're a slave. And we've gotten comfortable being a slave to these documents that at one point we set up to help us lead the lives we wanted to live. And so now it's like we're a slave to having, we want more food, we want more clothes, more devices, more square footage, more travel, more experiences, more accomplishes, more, 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 more. And in that sense, Sabbath is resistance. It might not seem like a big deal, but taking a time, one day, a 24-hour period every single week is a big message to society. It's a big message to your family. It's a big message to your friends. It's a big message to the place where you work, to your neighborhood. And it's a radical statement. It's countercultural. I am not going to work myself to death. I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do this because my faith tells me to do this. Now, the question I think that at least I have, I don't know if you guys have, but you're like, well, this is really in the Old Testament. I mean, thousands and thousands of years ago. Is this applicable for us today? Is this legalism? I mean, didn't Jesus come in and like throw out the old covenant and all of that? And and those are good questions, okay? Um, I want to start with how many of you maybe have said things like, where did my week go? Have you said that in the last day? Like, where did my week go? The weekend's almost over. It's Sunday night. You know, it's like, oh, it's just Friday night. Like a minute ago, um, you know, March is already halfway over, 
right guys? You guys aware of that? Okay, so we're busy, and is the Sabbath something we're supposed to do today? Well, the Sabbath, yes. And the Sabbath would actually eliminate those questions from our lives, being where did the, where did the time go? But does the Sabbath mean that you lock yourself up in your bedroom for 24 hours and like, you know, you just leave the kids to like fend for themselves? Like, hey, sorry, guys, maybe you should Sabbath right now too. Um, There's this scene where Jesus and his disciples are walking through a grain field. And as they're walking through the grain field, the disciples are grabbing the heads of the grains to eat them. So they're pulling them off and they're eating them. And the religious elite of that time, they see that. And they said that they're breaking the Sabbath. And in that period, yes, that's how seriously they took the Sabbath. We're even grabbing something as you walk by it to eat it. He's working. He just farmed. <laughs> he just prepared a meal. And they accused Jesus of breaking this Old Testament law, to which Jesus replies to them in Mark 2, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. Jesus is saying you were not, made so that he could have a Sabbath. God didn't like create, oh, the Sabbath is so cool. I need to create people so that they can observe the Sabbath. God created you and he thought you were cool and he knew for your survival and for you to thrive, he said, I'm going to create the Sabbath. And in doing so and addressing it like this, Jesus is saying that the Sabbath is not just another commandment. It's not just something we need to check off of our list, but the Sabbath was created so that we could thrive. God absolutely in 2022 in Madison, Wisconsin, wants you to Sabbath, to stop, to take a break for your own good. And Jesus affirms the Sabbath and not just as a rule, but as a way to live our lives. John Mark Comer from the book writes, Sabbath is more than just a day. It's a way of being in the world. It's a spirit of restfulness that comes from abiding, from living in the Father's loving presence all week. And that's what I want you to begin to think as you're thinking about how can I apply Sabbath? How can I apply this break to my busy, hectic, hurried life? I want you to begin to think that it's not just a day. It's not just 24 hours, but that it will revolutionize the other six days of the week. And so what can you do on a Sabbath day if you don't have to lock yourself in the bedroom? Two questions. Is this rest? And is this worship? And if it's yes to both, It is a Sabbath-approved activity, according to the Bible. But if it's no to one of those things, then it's not. And you should probably do that on one of the other six days of the week that you have. But as we talk about Sabbath, I want you to be thinking, is this rest and is it worship? Whether it's taking time to read the Bible, spent in prayer, fasting, time with your spouse, with your kids, with friends, in peace and quiet, Whatever it is, practicing the Sabbath is something that will benefit you and benefit all the people around you. What could you do with 24 free hours to just fill your soul? 24 hours to just fill your soul. It's taken me much of my adult life to figure this out. For those of you who um, have known me for a long time, uh, we moved to Madison uh, to start this church and Megan got pregnant with Oliver. Um, At the same time, I was getting a master's degree in missional church movements at Wheaton. And at the same time, I was managing a Starbucks. See, I'm addicted to anxiety, like self-diagnosed, but I'm addicted to busy. And there was like, I can't take a day off. Look at all the stuff I have going on. I can't take out one-seventh of my week. I am too busy. 
But what ended up happening is you, you end up starting to burn out. And what burnout looks like, and I think it looks different for everybody, what burnout looks for me is that I could work like 10 or 12 hours and get nothing done. Like get nothing done. I was there. Like I, I, I went to Starbucks. I clocked in. But like nothing got done, really. I stood at the counter with a rag the whole shift and just like, I'm here. I worked. And I would do that. I would, I would sit at home and I'd be like, I got to write the message for this Sunday. And I would just sit there for hours and have like one word written out. It'd be like Sabbath, period. And I'd be like, I don't know what else to write. And what I noticed, I was like, this is not a sustainable way for me to live. Especially as started, we're going to have kids. Like, I don't want their dad to always be tired and grouchy and irritable and mad. Um, and so we made a choice that I was going to just take Friday off. Like, from, from midnight to midnight, Friday, all day, was just going to be off limits. I'm married. Megan's my wife. We have three kids, six and under. So we've got a lot of little ones. I have two big, energetic dogs, Okay. I'm writing a book. I lead this church. We bought a home last summer that I am constantly tearing holes in the walls to fix up and to make better. I like working. I enjoy it. But on Friday, I don't. It's just off limits. A normal Friday for me looks like around 730. My kids come in to wake me up because I got to take one of them to school. After I take Oliver to school, I come back home and I lay back down on the couch while Elijah plays on his screen and Quinn takes a nap. And around 9, 9.30, when I'm starting to become more alert, I watch a couple episodes of some series that I'm watching on Apple. And, and, and all of these things are just restful and it's delighting it and it's enjoying it. And is it rest? Yeah. And is it worship? We got to think worship is bigger than just music. Okay. That's not what I'm saying, right? Think of Paul in chapter 12 of Romans when he says, everything is worship. Everything that we're offering to God is worship. In the summer, I'll go golf. And you might say, is that really restful? And yes, it is. Like, I feel so energetic after I do a round of golf. I feel great. And it's not just good for my body, but it's good for my soul. It's good for my mind. I put in my calendar, I literally put in my calendar, it is a reoccurring event every Friday that I'm busy. I'm unavailable. So if you were to send me a Google event, like, hey, you want to have lunch, it would respond automatically with, sorry, Stephen is busy. That's how important it is. I've marked it off in my calendar. And does that mean that I miss out on things? It does, because some of you are doing some really cool things on Friday that I say no to. Um, so I do miss out on some things. Does that mean that some people are annoyed with me? Yes. I can positively tell you that sometimes people are annoyed with me because like Friday's my best day to get together. And I'm like, yeah, it's my worst. Like I'm just not available at all. But let me tell you why I still do it because my family is super important to me and they know that they get dad undistracted, full access on Friday. So while these other people might be upset with me, the people who matter most to me in my life are thrilled with me. And while I'm missing out on good things, I'm catching a lot better things by being with my family on the 24-hour period. And it's not just my family, but it's this time to connect with God. And it's a time to reset before the weekend and before I start getting busy again. I want you to begin to think that Sabbath isn't a day less. Because I think that that's what we can hear. We have a talk about Sabbath. I think that this entire time you can be hearing, I'm so busy. And, and you're telling me that like, God wants me to take a day off. And, and, and now how am I going to get everything I want done? I don't want you to think about that. I want you to think of it as like you're gaining so much, like I am gaining so much with God and with the people who matter the most for me. Sabbath isn't just a day less. It begins by messing with one day a week, but yes, it will eventually mess with your whole life. 
in a really, really good way. Now, sometimes, yes, sometimes I have something I just have to do on Friday. It is a rare exception. And when I mean rare exception, I mean like a funeral. Okay, so somebody passed away and they're having a funeral on Friday. Yes, I will do that. Absolutely. A wedding. They're having a wedding on Friday. Sure, I'll do that. There's a medical emergency. Someone in the church is having a medical emergency. Sure, I'll be there for you then. But a personal rule then for me is that I have to move that Friday, do not disturb, to one of the other days of the week. So then I got to click it and move, and that's going to clear out an entire other day that I've already filled up with stuff. So it's actually, for me, I've, I've arranged this in my life, and I would encourage you to do this. Make it a pain in the butt to change your Sabbath. Make it hard. Make it where you say, I need to do this because it's a big deal. It's a life event for someone, a wedding, a funeral. But dang, that means that I'm going to have to cancel everything that I had planned on Thursday, or that means I'm going to have to cancel everything I did on Saturday. Because not doing it just isn't an option. We know that we're all busy. We've been in this month-long series talking about it. And in this series, we've talked about how it's killing us, being busy and hurried, and we're all stressed out. I'm just here to tell you that you don't have to do anything. Like, well, we've talked about the last four weeks. You could just check in from five to six here at Madison Church and get some content, be inspired for the moment, go back and keep living your life. And here's what I'll promise. Your calendar will keep getting fuller and your to-do list will keep getting longer. You're going to get more anxious, which means you're going to be more irritable. You're going to be angrier. You're going to snap at people, probably the people who matter the most to you. Um, There will always be another shift to work, especially in this post-pandemic era. There will always be another promotion to apply for. There's always, 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 I promise you, there will always be more money to make. I know that your life is pretty full right now. And that's why fighting for a Sabbath is so important. So my challenge to you today is easy and hard. It's hard and easy. It's simple and challenging. Pick one day this week, in the next seven days, and put yourself as busy. A 24-hour period just to rest and just to worship. And you'll be amazed at what God can do with one day that you give Him versus the seven days that you don't give Him. In fact, when one day belongs specifically to God, your entire week will begin to look differently. Would you rather your week look like anxiety, greed, busyness, noise, isolation? I just described most of your weeks, right? I described most of my week too. Or would you rather, when we get in the practice of Sabbath, have a week that is full of peace and gratitude and margin and deep relationships? And for the parents in the room, quiet What's that? It's like some Bigfoot mythical creature. Quietness, is that possible? It is possible. And as we end this message, as we end this series, I just want to reiterate that it's not about perfection. It's, you don't have to do these things perfectly, but if you can begin to adopt these practices and put them into your everyday, regular lives, you're going to be so much better off for it. Yes, you're going to fall back into patterns of hurry because all around you, you're being told and sold, go, 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 go. But let's fight back. Let's fight back by slowing down and living life as God intended us to. Restful, light, and easy. Doesn't that sound great? You'll live longer. As a matter of fact, uh, 84% of dollars spent in healthcare, 84% of medical bills out there right now are because of bad food choices, inactivity, and unmanaged stress. 
So I could save you some money by saying, take a Sabbath, practice solitude, and live simply. So I pray that our pace is just profoundly different. I pray that this wasn't just something that you did to check it off your list. I went to church on Sunday night, but I pray that this changes your life. To all of you who are weary and exhausted, Jesus said, come to me. It's time to go to him.